98.7 FM, Arizona's sports station. Burns and Gambo starts now. Now. Straight up 2 o'clock on this Friday in Phoenix. John Gambadoro in the ringer. Tim Ring. Filling in for Bernsey in the hizzle, yeah. as the kids say. Yeah, the, and, I will the never, and I will never say that again, people, I promise you. Yes, please don't. <laughs> Bernsey's on his way to a little vacation. I gotta like drive up the coast of California. Pacific Coast Highway, whatever. Dude, I'm going to Ventura Highway. That way you can sing the America song, Ventura Highway. You oh, know? I'm sure they're doing it. I I, I want to believe that he rented like an Aston Martin convertible and him and Carissa are just cruising the, the, the coast. Just the two of them. Just the coast. Just the two of them. Yep. Just the two of us. The wind blowing through that big, beautiful <laughs> hair of Bernsey. <laughs> just the two of us. Yeah, so uh, Bernsey's going to be out all next week and uh, you're going to fill in every day. So you'll be with me all week next week. We got a big show for you. Mitch, I got to give Mitch some credit right off the bat. I mean, he got Brett McMurphy, who basically broke the story on, hey, the Big Ten, eh, look at it, Oregon, uh, from Action Network. He's a college football insider. We're going to have him at 245. Brandon Webb, B. Webb from the D-backs broadcast unit at 315. So we've got a lot to uh, get into, but I'm really looking forward to those uh, those conversations. So we'll take you right up till 6 o'clock tonight. We'll get you home on a Friday or get you through your Friday. We appreciate everybody tuning in. Let's tell you what our top story of the day is. Burns and Gambo, the weigh-in. Brought to you by Revitalize Weight Loss. All right, we got Cardinals and Titans tomorrow. And then we've got cut-down day coming up. I imagine the majority of the cuts will be Sunday. I don't think that they'll have to wait. I think the majority of the cuts will be on Sunday. They'll get through the preseason game tomorrow. Well, you know who's hurt, who's not hurt. You don't have to worry about anything else. And I think by Sunday, you'll see a lot of guys cut. And by Monday, the whole thing will be finalized as they get down to the 53-man roster. But all eyes are on this uh, are, are on this roster. And a lot of people trying to speculate on who's going to be on the roster, who's not going to be on the roster. Is this guy going to get cut? Is that guy going to get cut? Are they going to still pull a trade for a cornerback? But, you know, you start to look at potential trade candidates and, you know, people try to guess it like who could be cut. There are some big names out there when guys start talking about potential trade candidates. Oh, there are. And when you look and at the cut candidates. Yeah. And when you look at the Cardinals roster, a lot of speculation on which running back is going to make uh, it or which running backs will ultimately make it. Who's going to be cut if anybody's cut, if anybody's the odd man out. Daryl Williams, of course, his name has been tossed back and mm-hmm. forth. Gamble will have some thoughts on that uh, coming up up in a little bit, but the Cardinals roster may take shape again via some trades by Steve Keim over the next four or five days. Uh, Gamble, I, for me, I, I think when you, when you talk when you talk about improving the cornerback position, it's, I know there's some veteran guys out there that have decent names, but they're out there still for a reason. I don't believe, unless you were very, very fortunate, that you can go dumpster diving after cut down day and find yourself a quality cornerback. Uh, I think it's you can be- find somebody better than what you have. Right, but you got but you some- know a guy that gets cut may be better than what you have. So I do think you can find I think you can get better than what you have on your roster, but are you gonna get like this diamond in the rough? Are you gonna get this, you know, this top two cornerback? Probably not. That would still have to come via trade if they're able to do that. You and know, if there's a I team that's loaded at cornerback. And that's where I think Steve Kimes got his eye. I don't I think mm-hmm. listen if, if he's good his his goal, his plan A is to get a cornerback via a trade. I'm surprised it hasn't happened yet. 
I'm expecting it to happen. I've said I expect that I thought it was going to happen this week, and I know they're working it. But and we're going to talk cornerback and edge rusher and stuff at 3 o'clock. But let's, let's go through some of the names on the roster. Let's go through some of the names that people are speculating could be cut or traded. Let's start with the wide receiver, Andy Isabella. I was reading something, I think, on Revenge of the Birds. It says, Cardinal fans have been waiting all offseason for an Isabella trade, but he finally has shown the promise this preseason. If there is one type of receiver that has value across the league, it is one with speed. My, what, what, what I I believe what I'm being told, I expect that Andy Isabella is going to be kept. He is not going to be cut. I don't know about trade, but I do. But Andy Isabella is going to make this roster. They don't have D-Hop for the first six games. Antoine Wesley's status is still not clear. So I think that Andy Isabella with the preseason, he had, had a great, he had a great camp. He had a great camp. Okay. And he talked about that, how he finally has figured it all out. If it's too late, we'll, we'll see. But I think that Andy Isabella is going to to make this roster. If you could package Isabella with a pick, you might be able to get something of value. I highly doubt, despite, and it's not like the teams aren't scouting these preseason games, uh, but despite the fact that Isabella has had a really good preseason, I cannot believe he would be all that in demand on the open trade mark, uh, market. But having said that, Gambo, listen, the DeAndre Hopkins suspension is going to open up a roster spot mm-hmm. on the receiving core for six weeks. Now, Andy Isabella, though, isn't going to necessarily back into that job, I think for what he could go out there and do during this training camp and this preseason, he to a certain extent has kind of earned that spot in the absence of DeAndre Hopkins. Yeah, so you know, I so I'm expecting, you know, based on my conversations and what I've seen and heard, I expect that Andy Isabella is going to make the roster. Let's go to another spot. A lot of people speculating on Daryl Williams, right? He's the only back on the team behind James Conner that has you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of reps. You've still got, you know, Benjamin, you got Jonathan Ward, you got the kid out of USC, Keontae Ingram, who have all looked good, but a lot of people are starting to look at, at, at Williamson saying, is he a guy that could get caught? Is he a guy that could get traded? Now, it's a fully guaranteed contract. He's, he's going to make the team. He is going to make the team. They're not going to cut Daryl Williams. If they got to go, if, you know, I, I've kind of wondered what they would do. Could they keep five running backs? You, you prefer to keep four, but. You know, could you get Ingram onto the practice squad? Possibly. But if you're afraid that somebody would grab him, then you might keep five running backs. But Darrell Williams, he's a guy that's not going. There's been a lot of speculation about him because we haven't heard his name a whole lot or seen him that much. But my understanding is that he is fine. He's going to be on this roster. In retrospect, Gambo, maybe the reason why we haven't seen much of Daryl Williams is because he has a roster spot. And the Cardinals, much like most of their other regulars, don't feel a need to play him or risk him in the preseason. So I see why the speculation has arisen, especially with the, you know, the advent of Eno Benjamin's coming out party here in 2022. And Jonathan Ward is a good special teams player. And obviously Keontae Ingram is a draft pick and you like to hang on to those. So speculation, hey, maybe Daryl Williams, you can't sharpie this kid in for a roster spot. I don't think at the end of the day, that's the case. I'd be shocked if the Cardinals decided to let Williams go, uh, not only because of the contract, but because he has experience performing in this league. He caught the ball. He ran the ball for the Chiefs last year. Behind James Conner, he's a back who's done it before at the highest of levels in the National Football League. The big question to me is, you know, we heard so much about Eno Benjamin uh, in the offseason. 
at least in these preseason games, Gamble, I haven't really seen it on the field. And yeah. boy, in the limited time I've seen Keontae Ingram uh, carry the football. He looks good. The vision, the mm-hmm. cuts, the quickness. I mean, to me, listen, I don't see every play and every rep of training camp, but from what I've seen, Ingram uh, looks to be every bit the back of uh, as Eno, if, if not a if not a tad bit better. Now let's go linebackers, and this is the one that that's uh, not that it's keeping me up all night, but they're probably going to keep four or five outside linebackers. You got the two rookies in Sanders and Thomas. You've got Marcus Golden, who I think is in a holding right now. You've got guard deck, and then you've got you know Kennard, Lucetta, and Demukeji. So a lot of people are asking about Demukeji. Is he a guy the Cardinals are going to keep? Is he a guy they're going to trade? Is he are they going to cut him? He's I don't believe he will get cut based on the great preseason he had. And again, what I've heard, okay? So I make calls on a lot of this stuff and check as best I can. I think that Demu Keiji makes the team. I think that he did well enough, the sixth round pick out of Duke from last year. I think he's had a good enough preseason to where he makes the team. So a lot of the guys people are asking about, Andy Isabella, um, uh, Daryl Williams and Victor Demukeji. I think all three of those guys are on the roster after final cuts. Now, if there's a trade, I'm not 100% sure if those guys would be involved or not. I couldn't say one way or another because I haven't heard that. But as far as making the team, I expect all three of those guys to make the roster. Well, listen, Steve Kime's not in the business of cutting good football players, and Demukeji has certainly popped this preseason. I don't, I don't think anybody uh, can deny that. He was a sixth-round pick out of Duke a year year ago, so he wasn't a high draft pick, but when he's gotten the opportunity to perform in the preseason, he's done exactly that. He's made plays. He's gotten to the quarterback. So the question is now for the Cardinals, do you keep six edge rushers? Because there are certain guys that are going to be on the football team. Now, having said all that, what's the deal with Marcus Golden? And does Marcus Mm. Golden have a hold-in expiration date once the regular season practices begin? Like, is Marcus just giving this a training camp uh, trial balloon to try to get a new deal if it doesn't happen you know, he shows up for work essentially September 1st ready to get ready for the Chiefs well there's that's mo- what we're going to find out there's, there's, there's money for them to burn there's a little money for the Cardinals to burn I expect that they're going to look at Jalen Thompson and Byron Murphy maybe even Zach Allen as far as guys that they want to re-up and, and extend those guys so I mean do you throw another extra million and a million and a half to Marcus Golden you may have to do that Monty Williams is he worried about the players that were rumored to be involved in a Kevin Durant deal? We'll tell you what he said next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Cambo. Big anniversary weekend this weekend. All right. Yes, anniversary. And they, what, five years, six years? Time flies. You don't even know, do you? Look at these. We've look been, been, been down like, on <laughs> six. It's six years. We got married in 2016, Lake Como, Italy. We've been together for uh, 12. Been together for 12 years. It's amazing how time flies. I remember it's when you got 12 I years. I remember, forget married. I remember when you got engaged. Yes. It seems like about three in, days uh, ago. In the Bahamas. Yeah. We were engaged in the Bahamas. And then six years, uh, six years of marriage. So the woman's uh, a saint. I've been Jesse go pick up my. Uh, so I got to show. So she's a she's a sneakerhead, you know. So one of the presents she's getting is uh, I got all the Jackie Robinson dunks. 
Have you seen them? I hope she's not listening. Cause she, she knows. Just, oh, she, she already knows. knows. Okay. Well, she knows. But she knows because anytime like I get a notification on one of my, she gets the same notification. Like, you know. So, so when I was contacted, my contacts with this stuff, she already saw it. So she goes, "I know you got me the, the Jackie Robinson dunks." I'm like, "All right, all right." So, uh, well, yeah, so I, I big anniversary. Weekend. I have to Google these. Um, God, Jackie Robinson dunks. I am not a. I'm not a sneakerhead, so I'm, uh, I'm curious. Yeah. I'm not yeah. either. I got like two pairs of sneakers. <laughs> you know, so my my anniversary's my anniversary's coming up in a couple of weeks. If I got get her a pair of dunks. If I got, let's go. If I got my wife's sneakers. <laughs> oh, oh, she's she's getting one of those bags too that begins with a G and ends with an I. Yeah, right. Yes, the yeah. so that's the big present. But the, might, the dunks are not the big present. The the bag is. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Okay, you're gonna put the dunks in the. Yeah, I'm gonna put the dunks in the the bag that begins the, with a G. The, the Uchi gay bag yeah, basket. Yeah, that's right, pig Latin. Let's get into let's get into this Monty Williams conversation. This is great. Monty Williams uh, was a guest on Sirius XM NBA Radio with Justin uh, Termini and AJ Eddie Johnson. He shared his thoughts on the Kevin Durant to Phoenix rumors. Here's what he said. I never talked to any of our guys about that. Um, mm-hmm. One, people don't understand how hard trades are to pull off. And when I first heard about the Kevin Durant stuff, I was kind of blown away by it just because, you know, we've been so blessed here to have guys who want to come. At the same time, at the expense of what was my thinking. And I like our team. I love our guys. But I wasn't going to have conversations that didn't need to be had. I think our guys are mature enough to understand that part of our business. Um, and so I didn't want to have conversations about stuff that didn't need to be brought up. And, and part of it is because I've been in the business so long, it's just hard to pull trades off, mm-hmm. you know? And so that was my thinking. Mm-hmm. Do you buy that? I didn't have the conversations. I, trades I, are hard to pull off. I, how do you not involve your head coach in all of those discussions? Well, you okay. have to. Right, well, th- let's look at it this way, though. I, is he talking about, I did not have conversations with Mikel and Cam about possibly being mm. traded for Kevin Durant. Okay, I could buy that. Because uh, to me, listen. Not it, until it's it, going it, to happen. It's, it's important now for the Suns, obviously, to keep everybody happy to downplay the severity of the possibility of Kevin Durant coming to Phoenix. I can understand the tact by Monty Williams here. If you ignore it, and you don't have the conversation with Cam and Mikel, you have plausible deniability. You can just say to these guys, look, guys, there was no reason to talk to you because this was never close. It was never you, close. You blame the media. No, hey, guys, it, yeah. this is just a media fabrication. <laughs> Believe me, if we were close to even trading you, I would have talked to you guys. But you know what? The fact that I didn't talk to you guys, that should tell you that we were never close to putting you on the on the trade block no, to I'd... acquire Kevin Durant. And there's, there's one other thing I do want to add. Gamble, and this is where Monty, I think, is probably not exactly letting on how much he knew. Uh, Monty's saying, you know, when I first heard of the Kevin Durant quote-unquote stuff, let me tell you something. From their time together in Oklahoma City, Kevin Durant and Monty Williams are very tight. Those guys have a very, very strong relationship that extends beyond the basketball court. In fact, one of the reasons why Kevin Durant wants to play in Phoenix, it's not just about Booker and Paul, it's about his relationship with Monty Williams. Do not tell me throughout this entire ordeal, or even before it became public, that Kevin Durant and Monty Williams didn't have conversations
conversations about KD potentially playing for him in had Phoenix. To. They absolutely Guaranteed had to. that happened. But, and that's okay, too. And, and I give the Suns a, a lot of credit. They never at any point put their guys in those conversations where they were offered. They were never offered because they were never close. The Nets kept telling the Suns, you don't have anything that we would want. We're not, you know, so we so they had conversations, multiple conversations with the Nets, but at no time was Mikhail offered. I can't because the Nets, there wasn't anything that they had. Once the Nets didn't want DeAndre Ayton, there wasn't a deal to be had. But let's let's get into the DeAndre Ayton because that's another thing that Mm -hmm. people are kind of, you know, remember how the season ended with Monty and DA in a shouting match on the bench as they were getting clobbered by the Dallas Mavericks in Game 7 at home. Here's Monty addressing his relationship with DeAndre Ayton. I've heard all that stuff second and third hand, all the narratives. Um, you know, the bottom line is I have to coach, and all of our players will tell you that I coach everybody. When I have to make a move like that, it's me calling them up. It's never personal, and I think DA said it best when he did an interview. You know, Our relationship is calm, and I've invested a lot of time into the the player and the person. Yeah, and listen, here's the thing. The difference between coaches and players are the coaches and the GMs, they're the grown-ups, they're the adults. Sean Marks and Steve Nash will will move on with Kevin Durant because they they're, they're grown-ups. Players are emotional. Players are very emotional. The grown-ups have to be the coach and the GM, right? They can't show that same emotion that the players show. So the reason why this will work out is because Monty's a pro. Because Monty's an adult. Because he's a grown-up. Because he'll be able to figure out how to make that work. Because that's his job. That's what he'll do. He's not a, he's not a 25-year-old kid where his emotions are going to get the best of him like a player would be. Like a Kevin Durant. Like a DeAndre Ayton. So when you leave it to the grown-ups, they will figure out a way to make that work. I do not expect that's going to be a problem at all. I would like to think that one of the strengths or strong points of Monty Williams as a head coach extends beyond the whiteboard and the X's and O's. It's connecting with these players emotionally, trying to help them grow as players and as men, working on what goes on between the ears to become the very best players they can be. Because Monty's demeanor is all about that. He's been there. He's played in the league. He came up through college. He was an All-American. He played on a good basketball team in Notre Dame. He's done all of that stuff. I want Monty Williams to coach DeAndre Ayton hard. I want him to take him out of the game if Monty doesn't feel D.A. is giving 100%. All that is really, really good stuff. But I can see how this thing went sideways at the end of the year. Right? It's a it's a 40-point blowout. D.A. gets yanked out. Everybody, you know, this didn't come from the Suns. Fans heard this. You remember, Gambo, how this all percolated uh, publicly? It's because fans heard Monty and D.A. going back and forth. And then when Monty had a chance to explain it right after the game, the famous quote came, it's internal. So Monty had the ability to control the narrative right after the season ended. He chose not to. Now here we are in late August. Monty finally speaks publicly and kind of sets it all straight and that's great. I'm glad we finally heard from Monty Williams on this whole thing. But he's got to get the best out of DeAndre Ayton. I will say this. Boy, if you're DeAndre Ayton, that way the way that game 7 went and for him to get kind of singled out and yanked out and finger pointed out by the head coach about quitting and then get a max contract. Yeah, but also you know 
every everybody was awful in Game Seven. If I'm to get like, why are you picking on me? Okay, I didn't get out on a three point shooter when we're down by fifty in the third quarter, and you're gonna you're gonna call me out. Right, and but you're not gonna call out Chris Paul, who was awful, I mean, or Devin Booker, who couldn't was, get anything going. Right, and, and yeah. Bridges and Crowder, they all stunk. He, and they, and, they, if they, and if they were all sitting here with us in the studio, they would admit that. Yeah, we we're, Tim and Gambo, we did. We we stunk that night, that day, and and they did. So I'm sure Da was kind of like a little sideways, like really the whole team plays like this, and you're and I'm I'm going to be the poster child, and I'm going to get hit on it publicly. Have you subscribed to the Burns and Gambo Show podcast? Subscribe right now on your iPhone or Android. You'll never miss any of the shows. It's the Burns and Gambo podcast, brought to you by Carol Royce Keller Williams Realty East Valley. Get more money selling your home. Go to CarolHasTheBuyers.com. That's CarolHasTheBuyers.com. He felt lost in Arizona with the direction of the team, and now he's got a new team. We'll tell you who that is and what he said next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. The Burns and Gambo need to know. Twitter poll presented by Sanderson Ford. Sanderson Ford, 51st Avenue in Glendale. They've got their big Labor Day sales event going on. New inventory arriving daily. Great selection and great financing options on a new Ford at Sanderson Ford. Online at SandersonFord.com or go visit them on 51st Avenue in Glendale. Eric Ruby, I have not even seen it. I'm calling it up right now. What is our Twitter poll question today? Very nice if you turn your mic on. Turn your mic on, dude. I was Come so on. energetic, too. Was I was so, so ready I saw to you, go. I just saw the passion, but I couldn't hear a word you were My saying. My arms were spread yeah. wide. It's because I'm a pretty big fan of this Twitter poll question. You blew it! I did, I Wait, did. you were energetic? No way. Trying, no, I know. Don't believe it. Trying something new on this Friday. But uh, let's get into a little Cardinals action. This poll, very close so far. If you guys were calling the shots, putting the headset on like Cliff Kingsbury, how much will Zayvon Collins and Marco Wilson play? play in tomorrow's preseason game at Tennessee. You got four options. You're playing them a couple series. Get their feet wet. Let them see the field. You're playing them a full quarter. Get them some good run out there. A full half? Yes. Or as much as possible? Yes. A half. A half? A full half. Let Not me as get, much let me, as possible? Uh, no, full half. Full half. Get him out there. Get him into the locker room at halftime and, uh, and then make sure they stay healthy and don't play anymore. Uh, you know what? I just put. I would put uh, their health as a priority. I wouldn't play them at all. I mean, they're, listen, they're going to make. They're going to make the team. You're going to need them. They're not going to figure anything out uh, against the Titans' second, third, and fourth team guys on a Saturday evening in Nashville in late August. Everything they need to do and get, they can get better in practice, and you're eventually going to have to put them out there on the field. So I will take a different stance at this point. They're going to make the team. You want to keep them healthy. Don't play them at all. I, I, I don't. I don't see. I don't see how the sir. The same reasons you don't play most of your regulars. Like the reps they get, is that really going to make a difference in their development? I know they need developing. No, they need but developing. It, it, so if they do need developing, when the reps help, well, I, I just I, for me, you just want to keep them healthy. Keep them I healthy. Get it, I get it. I keep get them it. Keep them healthy. It. They're not. They're not. The, the, the risk reward for what they're going to get not out of worth that, it. Playing against scrubs in Nashville is not worth the All risk. Right. This might be the closest four option poll I've ever seen. A tie for first place. Twenty five point eight percent say first half and as much as possible. So those are the two leading options at twenty five point eight percent. At twenty. 25% they're saying they play them a quarter and at 23% they say play them a couple series. 
It's okay. close. All right, there you go. You can vote on that on the Burns and Gambo page on Twitter. Eric will check back with you in a couple hours and see what that update is. All right, Ringer filling in for Burnsy today and all of next week. Uh, so Tim Ring with me today. We'll take you right up till 6 o'clock. One of the uh, former Arizona Coyotes, Phil Kessel, has joined a new team. He joined the Las Vegas uh, Golden Knights, and he actually commented about what happened here in Arizona. He joined the Knights on a one-year, $1.5 million contract, one-year, $1.5, and well, when he got there and he had his press conference, he first talked about joining joining the Vegas team. Obviously, I think, you know, over the last couple of years, you get lost here. And, you know, people don't view you um, any more like you used to be viewed. And, you know, I don't think that's the case. And, uh, you know, I'm very motivated to come in here and help this team and, you know, try to contend and, you know, uh, you know, like I said, I'm very motivated, and I think I'm going to have a great year. Yeah, the, the Coyotes are obviously in a, a tremendous rebuild, a tremendous rebuild. And Mitch, I don't. But by the end of this segment, if you can, that that cut that we had when we had Bill Armstrong on, did we save that cut about how long the rebuild's going to take? You got to hear this. This is a. It was. I've never heard more honesty out of a general manager than what Bill Armstrong said. We'll get that in a second. Um, but yeah, he said he got lost here in Arizona, and you know, here's a guy who's got 399. Nine career goals, 13th among active players, 13th all-time among Americans. He's got 34 more in the playoffs. He was in Pittsburgh. He got traded to the Coyotes to be with his good buddy Rick Tockett. And then, you know, the team just decided, I mean, after they went all in, they got Taylor Hall and it didn't work. They kind of decided that, you know what, this, you know, this isn't the direction we want to go. We want to rebuild. But here's Phil Kessel talking about his time with Arizona. I came in there, um, as a different direction, right? You know, they said we're going to win and, you know, we're going to try to win and compete. And, you know, obviously that's not what happened. And, you know, uh, it's going to be nice playing on a team that wants to win. You know, when you want to win and everyone on the team wants to win, it's a, it's a different feeling and a different vibe. I mean, Arizona, they had great guys. You know, the you know all the players, are, they're great kids and a lot of good people there. But, you know, when you don't want to necessarily win and contend, it's it becomes difficult as a player, especially when you came from Pittsburgh and, you know, I wanted to win. Yeah, I understand that. He's a veteran player. He wants to win. He doesn't want to lose. But the Coyotes are, are you know, they, they just haven't had the ability to win. They've had, they've tried at times to go out there and go get players, like go get Taylor Hall, which completely backfired. So what they did is they took the, the talent that they had. They went out there and they traded that talent and they got the draft picks and they got the assets and I've got about one of the best young systems in the league. But this was the most fascinating comment that I think I've ever heard from a general manager talking about the honesty of what it's really going to take to turn an organization around. Here's Bill Armstrong a few weeks ago with us. When you start a rebuild, it's five to eight years before you make the playoffs. That's that's the truth of it. And to win a championship is even more scary. There's one team with Pittsburgh that when they started the rebuild to the time they raised it over their, their heads, it was eight years. But more than likely, if you're looking at the St. Louis Blues and you're looking at Washington or Tampa, it's 11 to 14 years out by the time you start the rebuild. So it takes a, a large process. And listen, you, you don't want to rush it and force it because that's what happened here last time and you start adding people and you're not ready and it just doesn't go anywhere. So you have to be patient with it. But there's going to come a time and point where we use our picks and, and we're going to flip it, you know, whether that's three years or five years down the road. We'll see how, how well the prospects do and how they, how they develop and where we're at at that point. 
I've never heard more honesty about what it's going to take. It's a five to eight year rebuild. To win the cup, it's 11 to 14 years if you do it right. 11 to 14 years. Well, five I, to eight to kind of get it turned around. I'd like to, I'd like to see the research on that. First of all, that, that's great oh. for his job security. Like, hey, listen, <laughs> hey, Alex, this is going to take eight to 10 years. So five to you know, eight. You got to trust me on that. When you, when you tear it down and rebuild, because the thing about it, you're drafting kids that aren't, this isn't, um, football where you draft a kid and he comes in and he plays right away. I mean, it takes time. Time to develop these kids. If you hit in the minors, if you, if you hit, hit on, if them. you hit on all if you them, hit no, on them. I, I, no, I understand. And look, the the problem with the Coyotes is they've been in a rebuild since about 2013, and then you attack on another. I mean, we're talking. They had the. We're talking about. I know they. I, they I, had the one year where they made it. You know, they made it all the way to the Western Conference Finals. It's 2012. It's, that's, that's 2012. That's Ten years ago. Gambo, Before so. that, they had about a five year run with you know with with with, with a legendary team: Kachuk, Ronick, Dally Drake, Tockett was on that team. Nikolai Hobby Bullen. That team was fan- Danny Breyer. That team was fantastic. Now, they never got out of the first round, but damn, were they good. Like, they were good. Uh, they were, they were like, they could have, they just didn't have the depth on the second and third lines, but they were good. Then they went through some tough times, and they had the one year in 2012. But since that time, they just haven't had the right collection of players. They've gone all in on certain guys, and just completely backfired. It and, just didn't work out. And that's why, you know, when you hear another possible eight years, you're like, now you, you well, you tack that on to the 10 that they've already been rebuilding. No, you got to start from now. Uh, from I, when know, he took I know, over. but from a fan standpoint, you're talking about an 18-year wandering through the desert of not playing meaningful hockey. You've been through the it, desert it, on a horse with no yes, name? in the playoffs. Listen, you know, as for Kessel's comments, too, you know, it's unfortunately he 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 phrased it as they they don't want to win, which technically is true. But it's really they're going through a rebuild, and when you try to rebuild, you try to do so by acquiring high draft picks. And I think when he says he was lost, here's a guy who's accustomed to winning, he won a cup uh, together with with Talk and Pitt, their time together there. Actually, he had 52 points last year. Gamble, I looked it up. That's the fifth highest mark of his career. So he's actually still productive. I just think he's like he's like listen at this point in my career, I want to play meaningful hockey in April and May and it's not going to happen here so it was time for me to move on but you know I did some homework today Coyotes organization no hard feelings great guy great teammate while he was there right. everybody liked him they wish him well Brett McMurphy he broke the news that Oregon has had preliminary conversations with the Big Ten about joining the conference he's going to join us next right here on 98.7 FM Arizona Sports Station 7 FM, Arizona Sports Station. Burns and Gambo. All right, Tim Ring filling in for Burns and Gambo here. Take you up to 6 o'clock on this Friday. Great conversations the last couple of days, all brought on by Brett McMurphy, College Football's Insider at ActionNetwork.com, and does an amazing job. And uh, everybody got to wondering what's going to happen to ASU, what's going to happen to U of A, is Oregon going to leave? So uh, Mitch was able to track him down. He joins us on the program right now. Brett, it's Gambo, Tim Ring. How are you today? Hey, good. Just looking for that ten uh, percent uh, check for all that uh, great content. It's yeah. Shoot, shoot it my way. I appreciate <laughs> it. But no, good. Good to be with you. It's a cra- crazy time uh, in college athletics right now, and obviously, uh, the two Arizona schools could be uh, impacted uh, a great deal. Greatly, yeah. But let let's start with the news that you had that Oregon is having preliminary conversations 
with the Big Ten about joining the conference. I watched the entire Pac-12 conference with uh, with George Klyakov, put on a good face, kind of ripped the Big 12 and everything. But I think we all kind of knew, right, once USC and UCLA left, that Oregon and Washington are probably going to look to follow. Yeah, and I was actually in LA at Pac-12 Media Days, and I I had the opportunity to talk to George and I asked him point blank, "Are you confident that your remaining members will sign a Grant deal?" He said, "Yes, absolutely." As soon as you get um, a number to them and put in front of them, um, sign sign that. Uh, I understand why he said that. I'm not as optimistic. Uh, the, the biggest negative about the Big Ten adding USC and UCLA, and George even brought it up at the, at the Pac-12 media day, is that the amount of travel that those two schools will have. Well, how do you solve that? <laughs> you right. have four schools from the Pac-12. Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal. And then now you've cut down on their travel. They'll still make a trip out east, but it's not going to be like it was when you've only had two members. And certainly as far as the grant of rights, you know, they're up after 23. It would make sense for their schools to come on board uh, in 2024. Probably one thing you, you want to ask me is when all this thing's going to ha- when is all this going to happen? And that's what I don't know as far as when it officially would get announced or when when everything would get done. But, yeah, the meeting Monday in Chicago, it was uh, reps from Oregon. It was reps from the Big Ten. I made it clear that Oregon's president and AD were not at the meeting, the same with Kevin Warren, which I think a lot of people misinterpreted as, well, what kind of meetings are they if, if those people aren't at it? Well, it hasn't reached their level yet. It was basically lawyers trying to figure everything out and, pun intended, making sure all the ducks were in a row. So I don't think it's a matter of if Oregon is in the Big Ten. It's just when. And it's not just Oregon. It's going to be Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal. I think the only way it's not those four is if no all right, we're going to try to get him back on the line. We lost Brett with that conversation. So he he says that it's only a matter, it's going to happen. It's only a matter of time that those four schools will join the conference. Right. What he was so saying, it's just a matter of time before all four of them are in the Big Ten. Yeah. What he was saying, they're right at the end. He got cut off, and this is something I talked about on with uh, with with Luke the other day. We got him back. I think uh, Mitch is working. I got to finish. Is that the Big Ten was basically waiting for an answer from Notre Dame, and now that the tea leaves say that NBC might pony up that money. The the Big Ten will now seek yeah. out Pac-12 teams out west. All right, we got Brett back on. Brett, uh, you with us? Yeah, uh, I, I'm not sure where I got cut off, but basically the Big Ten's going to add those four Pac-12 schools. The only way they don't is if Notre Dame makes a decision to join the Big Ten before the four Pac-12 schools are added. And if that happens, then all that means is uh, you slide Notre Dame in and Cal is uh, Cal is left out. Um, but, yeah, whether right. Notre Dame says yes or not, the, the Big Ten will go, add those four schools. And Kevin Warren's been very open about it. He was asked on Bryant Gumbel. Uh, real HBO Real Sports the other day. Do you foresee your conference going to 20 members? He didn't say maybe. He didn't say possibly. He said yes. Yes. And that's what sources have been telling me that they're going to go to 20, and they want the schools from the Pac-12 um, for those markets. A and for B, 
uh, to kind of help out USC and UCLA as far as their travel. Let me ask you something on the money, though, Brad, because we've heard that the Big Ten could be making it because the new television deal could be paying out between 80 and $100 million with USC and UCLA in. There was an initial thought that the if you brought anybody else in from the Pac-12, it wasn't going to really affect that very much. How, how would new how would these schools from the Pac-12 go into the Big Ten affect that payout? So that's what these discussions were about Monday. They're not going to bring in Oregon, Washington, Stanford, and Cal, and they're not they're not going to get full shares the first year like USC and UCLA. And everyone's like, well, why shouldn't they? USC and UCLA did. Well, they brought the L.A. market. The only school that brings more value per school to the Big Ten is Notre Dame. The other schools don't, and that's a, that's a great point. So what, they're, what they'll do, what I assume they'll do is they will – you know, bring them in for, you know, less than a full share. And they, they build up to a full share after X number of years. It's the same thing they did with with Rutgers in Maryland. But when you're a USC going to the Big Ten, when you're an OU in Texas going to the SEC, that's when you're those brands, then you get full shares. When you're not those brands, you don't get those full shares. And so I guess you're saying, well, why should Oregon and Washington go if they're not going to get a full share? Well, you can stay in the Pac-12. But that means you're missing the you're missing the boat on going to the Big Ten, and even with a reduced share in the Big Ten, you're still probably going to double the amount of money you're going to get in the Pac-12, and also your long-term stability is set. I mean, I'm an Oklahoma State alum. I hated OU's going to the SEC, but I don't blame Oklahoma. They made a decision that that secured the financial history of that university, not the athletic department, but the university for the next 50 years. Right, and that's what the a decision would be of those Pac-12 schools to go to the Big Ten. I just, funny's not the right word. I just don't, I don't see how people think that if these schools get an invite, and they will, why they would remain in the Pac-12. Because if I if I call you up tomorrow and say, man, I, I love the interview you did with me, you were great, I'm going to I'm gonna double or triple your salary. You're going to go, when do I start? Yeah, or I, got, I can't yeah. get out of my contract until, you know, six months from now. So what's... You're not going to say, yeah, you know what, I'd rather I'd rather not make any money. I'm gonna just I'm gonna stay where I'm at. So what's the benefit? Let's let's talk about the four corner schools: Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, Utah. What 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 are they waiting for? Do they have to wait for Oregon and Washington and Cal and Stanford to leave, or do they should they be in discussions with the Big Twelve now? Because it looks like it's inevitable that the Pac twelve is going to go the way of the Big East and just be gone. Should those schools be looking to get into the Big Twelve right now? I mean, who's to say they're not having those conversations right now? But what what they want to do is they want to wait and make sure those guys are gone to the Big Ten. You know, because, I mean, right now, you know, again, I went to Oklahoma State. You could argue the Pac-12, the Pac-10 is a better football conference than the Big 12 right now after losing Oklahoma and Texas. And, you know, I, I could agree with you. I could disagree. I don't think it's automatic either way. Um, you could say the value for the for the Pac-12 in a media rights deal with those ten members compared with the Big 12 without OU in Texas would be very similar. Pac-12 may be a few million more. The 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 Big 12 may be a few million more, but it's not that much difference. However, when they lose those four schools, that changes everything. So now, if you're left behind in the Pac-12, what are you going to do? You can you tell me. You pick any four six Mountain West teams you want. Throw them in there. The value of your conference just dropped dramatically. Mm-hmm. And if those 
San Diego State's and Fresno's and UNLV that everyone's reporting was so valuable, the Pac-12 would have added them the second USC right. and UCLA lost. They're not more valued. So at that point, I think those four, the two Arizona schools, Colorado and Utah, they go to the, the Big 12 because they're their survival there. If they stay behind in the Pac-12, who knows what's going to happen? Um, you know, and by adding those Mountain West schools and nothing against those Mountain West schools, it de- it devalues whatever their deal is. It's funny the Pac-12 is in a similar situation the Big 12 was when they lost Oklahoma and Texas. Like if you if you could guarantee the Big Ten would not take any any more Pac-12 schools, and I was commissioner of the Pac-12, I would not expand. I'd have a ten-team league like the Big 12 did because your media rights value is going to be more per school than if you just go add two teams right. to add two teams. Adding San Diego State and Fresno decreases the value per school. The problem is that you can't guarantee you're not going to lose members. And then when you lose members, if you're, I mean, you guys are right there in the heart of it all. You tell me, if you're Arizona or Arizona State, would you rather be in a 16-team Big 12 conference? Absolutely. Absolutely. Not, or no would question. You be in a, would you rather be in a Pac-6 conference and add... Pick your favorite four Mountain West schools. Yeah, San Diego State, Nevada. No, absolutely. I'd rather it's go to the Big right 12. Now. So we're, we're joined it's by... Gonna be, it's going to be worth more. That that, that direct comparison, you're, the Big 12 will be worth more media rights per school than whatever's left of that of the Pac-6 yeah. plus four. Seems like it's inevitable, only a matter of time. Brett McMurphy, uh, College Football's Insider from Action Network. Hey, I really appreciate you carving out some time for us today, and uh, we'll just we'll wait for those offers to double our salary by tomorrow, okay? <laughs> yeah. I'll, I'll text you as soon as we're off the call. All right, Brett, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thanks, you got it, buddy. All right, that is Brett McMurphy, and I want to talk about this later on today. It like the Pac-12. It seems like the Pac-12 is done. You know, Ray Anderson. Ray Anderson said he was shocked when UCLA and USC left. That you know what? It's time for ASU to stop being reactive and being proactive. Don't just stand around while the conference disintegrates. Take care of number one. Go do something. Go do something. You you make the move. You make you you go to the Big Twelve right now and say we're not standing around. Waiting to be left here on an island. The Cardinals still in need of a cornerback and an edge rusher. Are they going to address those needs? We'll talk about that next on 98.7 FM, Arizona Sports Station.